Are you ready for it? It's episode 34 of the Guardian Project Podcast. I'm your host, Andy. And if uh, Project Runway took place on Theros, Clothis would win. Yeah. Wait, why do you say that, though? <laughs> because of Clothis's design. <laughs> Make it work, designers. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and I'm your co-host, Mike Coyle. And I live my life the same way Atris Oracle of Half-Truths lives theirs. Uh, two down one up that's the way i like to gain gratuitous amounts of card advantage <laughs> that is so good please listen carefully uh, this is the podcast where we talk about all things magic gathering but mostly commander and just a quick note if you're looking for a way to support the podcast and you can't find the magic singles and sealed product you're looking for at your lgs we would appreciate if you use our tcg player affiliate link when making your purchases it's a great help to the podcast and allows us to do some fun things in the future like pack one pick ones giveaways that sort of thing an even easier way to support the show is by subscribing, rating, and commenting on whatever format you're listening to the podcast on. Whether it's Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or any other platform, your feedback and support is greatly appreciated. What is on the agenda this week? This week, we're going to talk about uh, how to tune a deck, focus a deck, um, maybe when you've reached a wall for a deck, what to do next. We're going to crack a pack this week, and we're going to do Commander of the Week. Edrix by Master of Trest. Ooh. So, um, once you focus a deck, where do you go from there? Is a question that was posed, and we're going to tackle that question. Yeah, it's... Uh, it's a doozy. It's not an easy subject, that's it's, for sure. It's not. So, we kind of just went through and bullet-pointed all of our ideas, mm-hmm. and um, you you had the better overarching theme, uh, <laughs> like, fit into three different categories. Yeah. I, I split it up on, like... How to tune a deck, how much to tune a deck, and then what what consists of in terms of a maximum tuned deck. Maximum tuning. Maximum. <laughs> Crank the tune. <laughs> We're cranking it to 11 this week. <laughs> okay, so start, start us off. So, okay, so how to tune. Um, my absolute number one rule for tuning, and I know it was on your list too, is play. Like is, a tuning fork? Like, a tu- like, you, like depending on what note it is. Like a this brings me back to band. Everybody tune. I was in choir. Did you tune your voice? Do you guys tune? Do Actually, yeah. Do you, you harmonize? Tune. Yeah, you harmonize with each other. Oh, okay. Yeah. That was fun. It was e- fun. Easiest day I've ever gotten. <laughs> <laughs> so my number one rule for tuning is playtesting. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah. You, you need to playtest your deck uh, in order to know if it's going to work or not. Uh, fish, fish bowling. Is that what it's called? Goldfish. Goldfishing. Fish bowling. Fish bowling. Bowling for fishes. <laughs> bowling with fishes. Bowling with fish and <laughs> goldfishing. And um, so, yeah, it, you're not always going to know exactly how your your deck is going to work. Um, if you're playing a solitaire combo deck, it'll help you, um, like, figure out the lines that you need to do that combo. But you'll never learn how to interact with interaction. So it's really important that you play test your decks against a lot of different varieties of decks. Um, unless you really, I guess if you only have your one play group, then that's fine. You know, play it as much as possible and see how it works against some things and with some things. And then you can start the real tuning process. But what happens if you put a card in your deck and you never draw it and you've played that deck like 20 times? Uh, I have statistics had that, are against you. I have had that happen. <laughs> I've played the deck so many times and I just don't draw a card. 
You're just like, well, you, I guess I'm never going to test this card because I don't ever get it in my hand. Not to put you on the spot, but do you have an example? Um, I can't think of it right now. Okay. But I know for a fact I've put a card in a deck and it's just never appeared. Okay. Like, well, I don't know if this is good, but I think it's good. So I'm just going to leave it in there. I know like so so my Jorian deck that I put together recently uh well the the upgraded ver- upgrade the different version that I put together recently there are some cards in there that are like my five drops that are value engines that I will I I haven't drawn in like a starting hand or anything yet so I get them halfway through as I'm trying to like combo off so I have them in hand but it's always like this is going to the graveyard because I don't need it anymore yeah I think the one the, I can think of an example, which is Living Twister in my Omnath Locus oh, yeah. of Rage deck. I've seen you use it once. I actually have. I maybe I've used it once. Then I guess did yeah. it do anything? I think I was playing Shiray at the time, and it kept blowing up Shiray. Oh well, then it did some work. It did against that one particular my, deck. My playtesting <laughs> went well, so well I don't even remember it. <laughs> I remember it because I was on the the other end of it. Okay, maybe that's why you remember <laughs> it. But I feel like you can put a card in your deck and you just don't draw it, and you're like, well, I hope I hope this card's good. Yeah, I I'm mean, gonna leave it in there it, until I play it at least once. Right, and then if you if you have it in hand and you see a good variety of decks and you look at that card and you go, yeah, this doesn't work then you need to get rid of that card. Or like in my Niv-Mizzet Reborn deck, I have a Rashmi Eternity's Crafter, and I, I think I've drawn her every every time I've played it, honestly, because mm-hmm. he has so much card draw. For sure. And it's never been good to play her. Never. Not even one time. And I said, well, if I don't feel like casting her, like, honestly, I think I, I've probably had her in my hand at least four times. Yeah. I, I should just replace it. I think, like, it. I think the only place that you could do, you could cast that Rashmi in that deck would be very early game, but the turn that you want to play Rashmi is the same turn you want to play ramp for you. I think on turn four. Yeah. I think is she four to Simic? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Turn four is when you're playing your circuitous route. Yeah. Explosive vegetation or the fact that it's turn four and you're going to put a tap land in cause it's all gates. So you can only play a three mana spell. <laughs> that, that is a real life problem <laughs> that I have, but it's a problem that I'm not mad about. No, but not yes, at all. I, I don't usually play cards on curve in yeah. that deck. You're usually playing them a turn late. Right. So, so in, in the event you do have your one untap land on turn five, it's like, well, I'm playing. I think Niv probably, uh, I think our most important key here is play testing. It's probably one of the most important parts of tuning your deck. Uh, if not the, sure. it's the most, it's important. the most important. Absolutely. You, you need to play the deck. How many times would you think you need to play the deck before you know what changes you need to make? Um, like at five, you know, pretty solid what does and doesn't work. But at 10, you know what cards you do and don't like. I think at five, you know what doesn't work. I don't know if you know what does work yet. You I might think, know. I think you know what does work if you're doing well. Uh, I guess that could be true, but it, it also depends on what you're playing against. Sure. So it's like radio, like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> assuredly. <laughs> if you're not playing against a control player, if you're not playing against a pillow fort player, you know, maybe it doesn't work. Like the again, the big value cards in my Jorian deck are are basically go wide cards, and I've never had to go wide with that deck, so I'm afraid to take those cards out in the event that I have to go wide in a game. Right. So you just need a few more games then. I need, I think for me, I think I would be comfortable changing out one or two cards after like five games, but I don't think you can make like a 10 card swap until you get like 20 games in with the deck. And I also think that 
from a playtesting aspect, you have your own deck, but you can play against somebody else who has the same deck as you. And you may watch them play something that you've never played before in your own deck. And you go, okay, that's staying because of how well it worked. Oh yeah. In in, in their deck. Yeah. Most definitely. If you're playing a different deck and someone else is playing, you know, we all have decks that overlap, you know, so, so so-and-so is playing the same deck that I have and I've never played this card before. Oh, that combo went off really well. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Maybe I should add this one card because I see the three that they had that I do play and I know I don't play that fourth one. So I would make, I would feel comfortable making that change after seeing it happen, even not on my own board. Right. Like, when you animated dead my world gorger dragon in your black white deck that Wait, one time can i tell the story real quick so coil is talking with one of our opponents and he had world gorger dragon in his in his graveyard <clears throat> and i knew i this is this is like last year and i didn't play very competitively at that time and i had an animate dead in my hand mm-hmm. because i but I didn't play World Gorger Dragon. It was no, a taste of Carlo. You're deck. playing, and I was playing Ilharg the Razor. <laughs> so he was mana screwed. And uh, I, I said casually, I go, "Isn't there a combo with that?" And like animate dead. And then they walked me through it real quick to explain how it worked. And I go, "Okay." I'm going to play animate death. Yeah. You saw, you saw if, if you know that, that monkey puppet meme where his eyes are just like going off to the side, this is Andy just looking at my graveyard and seeing world gorger over there. Uh, but we do have house rule at that, at that shop where you yes. can only do an infinite 10 times and then you just have to stop. So I had to choose a different target yeah. on number 11. Yep. Um, but otherwise, I would have had infinite mana. And I think I still ended up winning that game. Yes, you did. I had a smothering time. Yeah. I think. Yeah. At the same time as a bunch of stuff happening. Yeah. And I, I was making deals with people just to get mana at one point. I was like, I'll swing this desolation twin at him if you just like, give me like float a mana my way or something. <laughs> right. Don't blow up my land. Right. So I guess we can segue into maybe... um more more reliable win cons is is yeah. is something you can do in tuning and animate dead world gorger dragon is a win con in some decks for sure but making sure you have multiple yes win cons yeah you can't just do one unless it's your commander and then you can as long as you can like do your interactions in more than one way it's still important to be able to do it in more than one way i guess like with a with a Voltron commander or something, you're not going to say, "I need this one enchantment on this guy in order to win." No, you say you can win if you have any different number of enchantments on yeah. this guy. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I guess alternate win cons are are a thing, like approach of the second sun. You cast that twice, yeah. and you win. You can slot that in any white deck. There you go. There's another white win con. Uh, and I do, I because yeah. I have to have a win con in in a deck. And white's tough to play, so. Are you going to draw seven cards? It'll probably going to take you seven turns. Sorry, white players. But yeah. Ryan's laughing when I said <laughs> white players. <laughs> it's the one color of magic that can't draw cards. Ryan already knew that, though. Because Ryan is perfect right. at magic. When we're going to learn? When are you going to learn? That's that's my New Year's resolution. We're going to have a video. You're going it's one of yeah, it's one of your New Year's resolutions to teach Ryan. We can teach Ryan one new thing every week. A plains produces white mana and white can't draw cards. That's two things. Now, the more you know, the more you know. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, so uh, alternate win conditions, um make sure that you have more than one um if you're if you're playing that alternate win condition. So uh, in blue, if you have the lab man alternate win condition, it's probably important that you also play Jace Wielder of Mysteries 
And now you also have Thassa's Oracle, which is another good one to play. Um, All three do almost the same thing. Pretty much. Thassa's Oracle and, and Jace Wielder of Mysteries, you at least get to do stuff with the cards. And it's not just alternate win condition on a vanilla creature. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. Um, yeah. I, as, as you're tuning, make sure you have a win con that, cause if you're not winning and you're finding that it's because you have one win con, try a second or a third. I try to have three. Three's probably pretty good. I don't know if I actually count my win cons though. I think I start with win cons sometimes when I'm building a deck, I go, well, I'm going to have white. So let's throw approach to the second sun in. Sure. Or some people throw in, um, like, sanguine bond and exquisite blood mm-hmm. like well that is a win con it's very not fast now your win cons can just be swinging but it's probably also good to put a i'm gonna win this turn card in there like overrun or triumph of the hordes or something if you're like a go wide strategy and not just like i hope i can get enough damage in this turn with all of my one ones or something like that. Like a, a token deck should probably run those cards. A life gain deck should run test of endurance. You win the game. If you have 50 or more life. Yeah. And, and, um, fell at our sovereign at yep. your upkeep. You win if you have 50 or more life. I think a lot of the life gain decks probably play both. That's, that's true. But then, um, maybe also consider running uh, Aetherflux reservoir mm-hmm. so that you can, you know, bolt people to death with all of your life. It, or bolt one person when you're at 51 yeah. and go to one. If you if you do that, you're probably going to lose too. So you would only do that if you're a very spiteful, vengeful person. <laughs> it's not happened to you before. Um, <laughs> yeah. We don't have to go there. <clears throat> Upping your budget. Upping your budget is always a really good... So I actually have this in the... Like it's a category I have in the maximum tune portion of my notes. I skipped to max. That's okay. Let's go to mid tune. Well, middle of the song. I mean, it's still bridge. I just, I just have a note on here to talk about like the cost barrier for tuning. So if, in order to have a 75% deck that you can make that deck pretty budget. And, and when I say budget, you know, it really depends on how many colors you have in your commander because land base is also something that you're going to want to tune. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, so the, the less colors you are, the less expensive, uh, the tune is going to be for your deck, but I think a 75% deck could be fairly budget. Hopefully you can keep your deck under $200 and be a competitive 75% deck. But in order to go from 75% to 90%, it's a pretty big jump in cost. You're just getting better versions of the same cards that you already have. Um, lower mana costs, lower to the ground, um, you know, taking those, basics out for like a rainbow land or a dual land or a fetch land. Um, and then it's even more of an extremely large cost jump to go from 90% to a hundred percent. Cause now you're talking about putting in like your, your mana crypts and stuff to get the super fast mana to pump your guys out, which isn't a viable card in every deck, but for a majority of decks, two free mana is usually pretty good. But it's out of the budget of the majority of players. For sure. If um, you have one, great. And you can use it. I use it in Noyandar to make that deck a 75. Yeah. Because that deck's like a 30 on its own. <laughs> you need to you need to add the fast mana to that deck to make it decent. But just make sure that when you are tuning your deck, you know, when you when you do a maximum tune on a deck, 
and you put in all that fast mana and you know tutors are a good way to help maximum tune like a combo deck if you need certain pieces uh, make sure you're not taking away the identity of your deck and you're not just playing the same thing every single time that you play because that can get a little bit boring and then you might hate the deck eventually it's okay to have a be a little bit weaker as long as it does something a little bit different every time at least that's how I feel. Multiple win cons. You got to do multiple win cons. But you know what? My uh, reanimating over and over of Coca Show versus my reanimating over and over of Grey Merchant of Asphodel doesn't sound that different. Doesn't feel that different. No, it doesn't. But playing Cabal um, <clears throat> Coffers and Urborg every Ugh. single game does get very old sometimes. So much mana. So much mana. <laughs> that into an Exsanguinate or into. Um, a card that I finally won with a couple of months ago. Torment of Hailfire? Yes. Oh. I couldn't think of it because I try oh. not to play that card. It is most. so good. It is very good. We lost to that a lot in the beginning when you started playing mono black decks. Yeah. Because it was just, it was a good wing. You're like, well, I, yeah, have, like, I have it, cast, I guess. Cast it for a hundred. <laughs> well, oh. so even, at, I mean, and I absolutely love that card at all points in the game because we played at Command Fest when we were playing Emperor I cast it for like X equals seven early on in the game. And it was like, yeah, I guess I'm discarding half my hand and taking 12. Yeah, that is what's happening. So, um, but yeah, I mean, sometimes tuning a deck can make it consistent and you're going for one thing almost every single time. And it, it might make the deck a little bit boring. So there's, there's some consideration to not tune it fully or to tune it in a different way adding you know i I try to stay away from win more cards that's not a great way to tune a deck those cards are fun though they're fun i don't mind tuning to that but you know thousand year storm is a whole lot of mana (laughs) for something that might get removed before you get to use it and it doesn't do anything on its own correct so it is just a win more card that's what we mean by win more card it doesn't by itself do anything for you it helps you win more it, it just helps you win more <laughs> like you could be winning this will help you win even more but you're already winning so you oh, know all they do is win 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 no matter what so so a thousand not with that card <laughs> so a thousand year storm might be a card that you cut for a twin cast or a reverberate or something so you get immediate value off of it um that that might be a way to tune again. I don't know what I have seen that in your right storm now. play though before, and that is really fun to watch. Yeah, it's awesome <laughs> when they opt after casting like nine spells. Scry one, draw one, scry one, draw one, scry one, draw one, scry one. So many times, everything gets storm. Oh, a thousand year storm. That's why it's called that. You mentioned tutors, consistency. Tutors will help your consistency. Yep. Um, you know, bringing out your combo pieces if you're a combo player, bringing out your your win condition overrun or trying for the hordes like we said a crater hoof behemoth grabbing a grabbing a land if you kept a greedy hand yeah absolutely Would, i've I grab, tutored for lands multiple times you grab cabal coffers and herborg or just a forest <laughs> sometimes <laughs> just remember your fetch land that fetches for a forest can grab you a creature dryad arbor a dryad arbor so I you thought can, about it for a second i was like no i know this answer yeah I don't play it in any deck. I don't own one, but I do. I played in the deck that I'm going to talk about today. Actually, it's oh. the only deck that I play that card in. That's it's actually that's a really good card for that deck. Yes. Um. Part of tuning can be also building a different strategy for the same commander. That's very true. Uh, hello, attract the players. 
Yeah, you don't you're gonna need play to play Planeswalkers. Planeswalkers? Are you going to play level up creatures? Are you just going to play creatures that care about 1-1 one -one counters? Are you going to care about infect? What why did you, you mention infect? Why did you even have to? Don't, don't. I mean, you said triumph for the horde, so I figured I'm allowed to still talk about it. Because right? that doesn't slowly kill someone, it just kills them there. <laughs> but you're right, but I'm going to stand on this hill. <laughs> <laughs> this is the hill you're dying on? This is, I'm not. I'm I'm dying, but to but 10 I feel infect like could, counters. But I feel of, like Atraxa is one of those commanders that can just be built 10 different ways. Oh, for sure. I mean, proliferate. Any counters. It's great. Yeah. You could do. Actually, it was it was an argument someone brought to me when I built my Yarrick energy deck that Atraxa might be a better energy commander. And I considered it. I don't think white adds much to energy. Red would add, add a lot more, but the proliferate every turn to get more energy. It's a fair argument. Yeah. So if you want to build an energy deck out there, or if Wizards of the Coast just wants to print a commander that cares about energy, that would be kind of cool too, you know? <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're never returning to that mechanic so please do it in a pre-con thank we you we don't know that in a standard set i mean they'd have to balance it a lot better than they did before second time's a charm that yeah second time probably the third time well that was one block that was made together they didn't know what they they couldn't adjust for aether revolt that's true it was the wheels were already moving <laughs> the wheel like aetherworks marvel sure Ooh. that got banned yeah sure did <laughs> um or you can also make a second deck of the same commander just like i said a different way so you can have a track set so i i have a deck where i don't want to tune anymore because i like where it's at mm -hmm. and i know it's not i mean it's not that competitive but it can stand up on its own i mean for my sure. norindar deck i foiled it out at this point mm -hmm. except for the three mm -hmm. cards that can't be foiled out and I don't want to do anything else to it. So it's really hard. <clears throat> but I do look at all the new sets that come out. And I say, okay, is there a blue or white card that's better than any blue or white card that I already have in the set mm -hmm. or in the stack? The answer was no with, at least with Throne of Eldraine. And the answer was still no with um, Theros Beyond Death. Sure. Uh, but I think it's, it's, it's kind of nice having a deck, though, where you can look at a new set and go, all right, I need six cards from this set because mm -hmm. I need it for these six decks or I need it for these three decks. Yeah. Um, but sometimes throwing new cards in just for fun is, fu is, is also worth it. Yeah. New hotness. Absolutely. Nylea's intervention. I put into Omnath Ocus of rage mm -hmm. just because it can grab two lands, just like hour of promise. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people were arguing, well, hour of promise came out. It seems like, you know, that came out a while ago. That sure. was, was that Hour of Devastation? Yeah. Or was that um, It was Hour of Devastation. Hour, Hour of Devastation. It grabs two lands, any lands you want, put them onto the battlefield tapped. Yep. And a lot of people were saying, well, it seems like people don't know about Hour of Devastation. But sometimes you can use Nylea's Intervention on turn three to grab a land on turn three. Right. Hour of Promise still costs five mana. That's true. However, Nylea's Intervention goes to your hand. Sure. Right, so but the, then you can still play that land down sure. on, on, on turn three. For sure. And so I think that card's good. Yeah, it is. I, I totally agree. I love that card. So I put that in and I took out, I don't know, some other land ramp card. Mm -hmm. Probably not. Maybe I took out a creature. I don't remember exactly what I took out, but I put it in just to say, well, I have a new card that I'm using from Theros Beyond Death because I didn't get a lot from my commander decks out of this set except for from Estrid. Gotcha. Estrid got a bunch. Yeah, well, enchantments matter. <clears throat> enchantments matter. Set. You got a new planeswalker. You got a new Pegasus. You got a new spider. You got you got a lot of stuff. It's pretty awesome. A new artwork for idyllic tutor. Yeah, 
I do, I do have kind of like a, I guess in this case, I would call it a unique advantage in, and I guess you, you kind of have one of the same decks with your Jota deck. I have a Planeswalker deck. So most sets will have a new hotness Planeswalker and we say, do I want to include this? Do I not want to include this? It's always a good consideration, at least. Like yeah. like new Ashiok is, is going to be going in my Nickel Bolas deck for sure. And I, I, really like, I like that card a lot. I don't think I need it for Jota. My Jota deck not. doesn't, I don't think, wants to do, doesn't, doesn't want to do that. Because Jota <clears throat> himself helps you protect if he needs to block. I don't have that in my deck. Yes, he is a 3-4 flyer. Yeah, Ashiok able, being able to create Ashiok's own blocker. Yeah, the 2-3. That also uh, felt really bad when two, I realized, I is it a 3-2? It's a 2-3 or 3-2. But when it blocks as well, you oh, exile. Yeah. I was like, why is this? I was playing it on Arena. I said, why did it exile? And then, you know, I hover over it. Oh, crap. That does yeah. it for both attacks and blocks. That's awesome. My deck is disappearing quickly. Yeah. <laughs> So, so one deck, my deck that I consider fully tuned, and I say that it's currently torn apart. I don't have it uh, constructed, but as we talked on the drive over here, um, it will be something I construct again. I actually am four cards into foiling it out. <laughs> four, four out of a hundred. Yeah, is this Shiray? Is Shiray? Um, you have Kokosho Shiray. Oh, Kokosho uh, technically doesn't go in my tuned version. Oh, you're right. Of, you're right. You're right. Shiray. I have Ashnod's Altar, Phyrexian Altar, Urborg, and Cabal Coffers in foil. So I got the expensive part got, out of the way. Yeah, you got a bunch of like cheapo dollar cards, I bet. Uh, most of them are. There's, um, and, and that's, I guess, uh, I, when, it, when it comes to tuning decks, I really like looking at Shiray. Like you said, when a, when a new set comes out for Shiray, it's really easy. So Shiray says, um, whenever a creature you control dies, if it's power one or less, at your end step, as long as Shiray is still on the battlefield, return that creature to the battlefield. And not, uh, and not at your end step, at the next end step. Mm-hmm. Return it to the battlefield. So every turn that you can sack a creature, it still comes back. So it's important to do instantaneous sack. And sacks that don't cost mana is especially good. And all that kind of good stuff. But it's really easy when a new set comes out, comes out to say, is there anything in the set for Shiray? You filter the cards by black and by power. It says it has to be power one or less. Does it have to be? Um, Does Ayara belong or no? Uh, Ayara is, I believe, in my opinion, a win more card in that deck. In that deck. I believe it is. Um, it, it could also be considered your your win condition card. I don't know if it needs one. Well, it's it's another blood well, artist. Your build, at least. Yeah, it's another blood artist. It's another Zillaport cutthroat. So if that's uh, you can put a Yara in there as a third way to do that. But it's also a sack outlet, which is the reason why I said that. It is. Oh, that's true. It's it's compared to what I have in mind. It's slow because you can only do it once per round. Right. But it does give you a card advantage. It gives you a card draw, and then it has that extra benefit of being your your blood artist or being your Zillaport cutthroat. Right. Um, I choose to only have those two. If if a Yara was one power, she'd be in the deck. Absolutely for sure. The fact that she has too much power is why she's not in the deck. As a 2-3. Yep. <laughs> if she was a 1-2, 100%. You know how many times I've tried to cut Grey Merchant from that deck? Because it's a 2-4. But a secret with Shiray is if you put a minus one, minus one counter on that gray merchant, now it's one power when it dies and it will return to the battle. How many minus counters can you put out in that deck? There's like four cards that you can do it with. They okay. even, they even sacrifice themselves. A few of them. 
uh, which is kind of nice. If you don't have a sack outlet, you can keep a hand that, that has just sacrifice itself. Um, but to transition a little bit, when it comes to tuning your deck, a lot of people quickly go to EDH rec. They go to, um, tapped out, tapped out. They go in and net deck something, even though EDH rec isn't considered net decking. It I does, still think it's a good idea though. If you don't know where to start, absolutely. start there. Um, but I think it's important. I, when, I do <laughs> for me too. Absolutely. Um, but I think it's important when you get to that fine tuning stage of your deck that you look beyond those things and you look for those niche cards that you might not find. So in Shiray, there is a card called corrupt court official that I've never seen anyone play before. It's a, a one, one for a colorless and for a generic and a black that says when this enters the battlefield, target opponent discards a card. It's not, I don't, I haven't found it on EDA track under Shiray before, but it's just, a really good one, one you can sack it on every single person's turn and make either three people discard a card or one person discard three cards really good for mono black hand control. And all you have to do is find exactly what kind of creature you're looking for on Scryfall. sort by power, sort by mono black, find all the creatures that are under two power and let's see what works. Or looking for cards that <clears throat> are symmetrical and they they work against or for everyone, I think is important. So I run a card called Overburden mm, in some mm-hmm. of my decks. I think I run it in, actually, I think I run it in three decks. Um, but it says whenever a player puts a creature into play, they return a land they control to their hand. So it yeah. starts to slow some things down, especially if you know you're playing a slow deck. So you're you're grabbing cards that are powerful, but are very niche. Yeah. They're not necessarily good in every deck, but I think this one's pretty strong in a lot of decks but a lot of people don't see the value in cards like this but if you drop that on turn two you're you're really someone doesn't want to have to be on a one turn delay every turn and then it turns into a two and then a three turn delay because you return a land every turn you're not actually if you're if your goal is to play a creature on every turn you're not going to get a land drop every turn right well you will i guess you're not actually increasing the number of lands you have So you're you're just holding back until you pull that reclamation sage somehow miraculously out of your deck or you just play around it because, I mean, it still is only one land. I mean, if you have more expensive creatures, you can just play spells. And it's that's only true. for creatures that aren't tokens. So if you're making tokens, this oh, doesn't that's affect fair. you at all. That's fair. Um, I also think that as, as part of tuning, um, if you're looking to start tuning a deck that hasn't been tuned very much, you can look to lower your lower lower the mana cost on Absolutely. spells that do the exact same thing. Yep. Um, so... You've got cards like Kodoma's Reach and Explosive Vegetation and um, oh, there's one more. I can't think of it. Kodoma's Reach. There's like, there's like three. Veggies. I play a lot. Um, you can try to cultivate? find... Cultivate? Cultivate, yeah. But there's there's cards that cost more that do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can lower your CMC to three. For sure. And, and once you keep your curve at four and below, your deck, I think, will be a lot faster and a lot more competitive. Absolutely. Because you're not waiting until turn seven and eight to play big spells. Right. Which is really hard because at that point, someone may have already already be like steamrolling oh, the table. For sure. If you're waiting to cast an eight mana spell as your win con, you should hopefully win that turn <laughs> and not, you know, and not just have a, yeah. a creature that's a seven, seven for seven. Sure. And obviously we're, we're, we're keeping out of that discussion. The ones that just want to play the ridiculously high CMC spells. Correct. Yeah. So yeah, it, 
if you're doing your your what is it Eureka? is that the the ninja that does damage equal to cmc you yeah. might want to play that tempo anyways but if you're you not, still want eldrazi and Eureka. yeah eldrazi you flip flip uh in in garrick's wake he's like oh everyone takes nine i guess that's cool but part of tuning is making sure that you've stuck to your theme for and sure yuriko the theme is big stuff and ninjas yeah so as long as you have both you're good to go but if you're playing a random spell in yuriko that doesn't necessarily belong if your goal is to be more competitive and you just have a pet card sometimes cutting your pet card can be a good option in tuning yeah but it's your pet card so keep it in because yeah, that's I mean, great. That's that's you. The, your deck has an image, and you have an image, and that's why I play Torment of Hailfire in every single deck. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I don't know for for sure. You have to, and you know, one of the things I had on my list was um, talking about putting in more card draw into your deck if you find yourself not having yeah tears for sure. Tears. It's the best thing you can do in Magic. <laughs> but how, how about in a in a Eureka deck? You know. There might be a point where you get to that deck where you don't want to draw cards. And you really, instead of putting card draw in your deck, you want to put top of your deck filtering. You want to put more scry card rather than card draw. I mean, Brainstorm is fantastic in a Eureka deck. It's a card draw and you get to stack the top two. So you get to do stuff that way. But you have to make sure, again, that you're playing to your theme. Don't just put card draw in to put card draw in. Put card draw in because you need card draw for the deck. I right. play Jorian. All I do is draw cards. All I do is draw, draw cards every day. So I just put in a bunch of card draw stuff. Like when you draw a card, do X? Yeah. Like I, you pointed out when I put that, um, the, the three blue, blue wizard, where every time I cast an instant or a sorcery, I get a one, one wizard. And then he flips when you control three or more. Dosin of perfection. Yeah. You pointed out, you know, that doesn't activate when you draw a card. That activates when you cast an instant or a sorcery. Right. It's like, that's a really good point. It's not necessarily a perfect synergy for Jorian because of that. I do play a lot of cantrips. That's also one of the cards that I usually throw in the graveyard when I'm halfway through comboing off. Right. So that that card is definitely currently on my chopping block. It does cost five as well. Yeah. All those all those go wide cards that I have in that deck do cost that five or six mana. The Niv Mizzets, the Docent, uh, Locust God. Um but at least with Locust God, it is card draw. With the Niv Mizzets, it's card draw. But that docent, it's not, not card, draw. card draw. It's not card draw. So it's on the chopping block. It's token creating. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, another thing I had in here right before we get to mana, because mana is very important, um, is counter magic. If you're a combo player and you don't have any counter magic, counter magic can feel bad sometimes when you're playing it against someone and they're like, I'm just trying to put this really big spell out. I'm like, yeah, but that's going to like win the game for you. So no counter spell. It's important to do that. It's important to not let people just run away with the game. Sometimes makes the games longer, makes them more enjoyable for everyone. Maybe not for that one person on that one turn, but as long as you're not playing Mount of Luberal, I think you're okay. Yeah. Most I of like time. to play answers. Yeah. So counterspell is an answer. It absolutely is. is but also exiling a creature or destroying a creature is also an answer. For so sure. I would say don't go too hard onto counterspells because it doesn't do you any good if you, because you're one for one in yourself. That's true. It's, it's about having interaction. Make sure you're interacting with the board. Right. And if you're a combo player, you need a counterspell, put counterspells in your deck. If you're a combo player, please don't combo off without counterspell in hand. You're going to lose. 
Especially if you're impatient and you can't wait. I can't wait. Well, that's mono black. <laughs> I didn't have counter spells. <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, the last note I had in the first section of how to tune of my notes is mana. Do you run enough lands? Do you not run enough lands? Do you run too much blue and not enough red? Other way around. This is, in my opinion, the first part of your deck you need to make sure is tuned. Although... Sometimes you have to tune your lands after you tune the cards in your deck in order to um, be a lot more consistent. Obviously, if you're playing a monocolor deck, your land tuning is going to be pretty much just numbers or how many utility lands can you play. When you start getting to multiple colors, the price range goes up a little bit because you want to do how many dual lands do I want to play? Rainbow lands, fetch lands. Du- dual lands as in two color lands. Two color lands, not just... Not, a, not original. I'm going to play, play all the $2,000 worth of dual lands. It's fine. I actually don't own one. <laughs> I don't own a single one. It's like my dream. Like It's a really approachable and reachable dream, and I could just buy it, but it would be foolish financially for me to do that, so I don't. Good for you. But I don't I have thought a desire. About it. I play a five-color deck and have no need for them. When we were at Command Fest... Unnecessary. When we were at Command Fest, I walked by that... I can't even remember the name of it. That Bayou. I walked by that Bayou that was so reasonably priced <laughs> 12 times just going, I could buy that. I need that for Get Rug. I need it for Get Rug. I need it for Get Rug. You know how many times I played Get Rug at Command Fest? I played it zero times. I didn't play it one time. How many times have you played it at the playgroup? Once with you. With me. Literally once with you. Because you know how good that deck is. I'm tuning it down. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, but I would. I agree with you. Yeah. Changing your lands up is part of the first thing you can do in your tuning. So yeah. if you're playing, you know, I always say I start with 37 lands and I've got <clears throat> the cheaper duels, the mm-hmm. cheaper dual colored cards. So you've got your scry land. You've got your uh, check lands that come in and look to make sure that you have two lands. You have your... Um, I forget what they're called. The ones that people don't like from the Shadows Over Innistrad block. The one that says reveal a basic of this type and then it comes in untapped. You've got those Are ones. Are they just reveal lands? Well, I forget what we called them. There's probably a name. I, I didn't to, play back then. I have to look up the name, but I have a ton of those. Yeah. And you have the um, the the ones from Amonkhet. Cycle lands. Cycle lands. Yeah. Those, Those are these, fetchable, by the way. They are. But a lot of these are reasonable, reasonably priced yeah. for now. Uh, Pioneer. So yeah. some, some are a little more expensive than others. But they're all reasonably priced. So if you're starting with 37 basics, mm-hmm. get yourself 10 two-colored lands. Having access to two colors on a single land is great. It's really, Tunage. really strong. Even if they're going to come into play tapped, you can always eventually upgrade to your shock lands, which you get the option sometimes you don't care if it comes in tapped on turn one put that thing in tapped unless you have like opt turn one or something and you want to really mystic if you want to soul ring sure <laughs> there are instances and then you put the basic that is in your hand out first then yes you do <laughs> <laughs> you have you always have that option um and then and then you get into the <clears throat> the special utility lands where it's only good in like specific decks like the um uh the mono black land the legendary land from kamigawa it's the uh shizo's death storehouse is that what it is it gives you tap it to give a creature fear or you can tap it for a black mana that's really good in hapatra because i need to get through and fear 
creatures with fear can only be blocked by black creatures or other creatures that's with true fear correct yeah. i believe that's yep and so uh fear is not popular no in commander no, so sure if you tap that land hepatra's getting through yeah and she needs to deal damage to a player to put a minus counter to make a snake that's so very true but that card is also good in other voltron decks that play black because you can make your creature essentially unblockable. Rogue's yeah. Passage. That's a lot of mana to devote into that ability, but it's four mana to make a creature unblockable. So you have your pros and cons. So you can play both, and I play both in Shirei, but I only... Hypatra. I'm sorry, Hypatra. But I only need Rogue's Passage, but I wanted to make it a little more consistent and to tune, so I added the Legendary Land. Yeah. I don't know. I do that a lot, and I think starting with your mana base is very important. Mm-hmm. I do know why you said she right there. Cause we were talking about she right. Oh, cause it's in the she right death storehouse. Yeah. She, she, she right protects. She's a death, death storehouse. <laughs> oh, did I call it the whole thing? I think I said she right death storehouse. It's she said she's a, she's a, you said she's a, I don't know what I we said. We can play it back. <laughs> she's a <death> see, <laughs> see, you had it. <laughs> do you think they thought that we were really recorded, man? I, I think that was a very realistic. It was really good. Yeah. We should, not quite Shakira. <laughs> Super Bowl, y'all. The, I didn't watch it, so uh, the su- I don't know. The, I only saw the gifts. The superb owl between the miners in California and the Native Americans of Missouri was pretty awesome. 49ers. <clears throat> Chiefs. Oh. <laughs> I don't know sports at all, and I honestly am just staring at Coyle. Uh, don't worry, the XFL starts. That's that's where you'll learn it. Do you want to crack a pack? I would really like to crack a pack. We're gonna crack a pack of Throne of Eldraine. We're gonna pick a card from it, and we're gonna put it into a commander deck. I hope we open an Ayara. I hope we open uh, a foil extended art, the Great Hunt. Oh. Yeah, never mind. I want that. <laughs> I actually don't own one of those yet, and I really feel like I have like 12 decks that need it. The Great Henge? Yes. Uh, I don't have one either. Galta, Yeva. But I also don't play Mono Green very often, so... You don't need to play it in Mono Green. No, you can play it in, I mean, you can play think, it in any creature base. I deck. think when you get to like three color, maybe three colors where you want to consider maybe cutting the Great Henge, but... Mono green and two color, including green. Yeah, it's a pretty good card. All right. So Throne of Eldraine, uh, first common, one and a blue, run away together. Choose two different creatures controlled by different players. Uh, return those creatures to their owner's hands. Okay. You're going to bounce some stuff. You can bounce your own thing and bounce someone else's thing. You can. Yeah. Uh, Embrith Paladin, uh, a 4-1 for three and a red. Haste Adamant, if you spend at least three red mana on this, it enters the plus one, plus one counter. Okay. Uh, shining armor one and a white for a flash equipment that says when shining armor enters the battlefield attach it to target knight you control equip creature gets plus zero plus two and has vigilance equipped for three okay okay vigilance voltron uh spore cap spider a one five for two and a green with reach oh spider tribal got it cool spider <laughs> ishkana uh malevolent noble one and a black for a two two Human noble that says pay to sacrifice an artifact or another creature and put a one, one counter on malevolent noble. Okay. Okay. So we have a sack outlet. Yeah. Yeah. Important. Important weapon rack for generic for an artifact that says when it enters the battle or it enters the battlefield with three 
counters on it, plus one, plus one counters on it, tap to move a plus one, plus one counter from weapon rack onto target creature. Activate this at sorcery speed only. Oh, okay. It was great up until that point. <laughs> Brimstone Trebuchet. Ah, I really like this card. You do. So two and a red for a one, three defender reach wall that has tap to deal one damage to each opponent, but also has the text that everyone forgets or maybe just me. Uh, and I drafted a lot of throne of Eldraine and I figured this out maybe, maybe five or six weeks before the next set came out. I just, I don't know why I just could not get this one through. Whenever a knight enters a battlefield under your control, untap this. So you can tap it, play a knight, untap it. Gotcha. And I just wasn't one person. I was playing against an opponent. They said, you know, you're leaving life points on the table. And I said, what are you talking about? He said, tap that player knight. Oh, Mm -hmm. this makes perfect sense. Mm -hmm. Golden egg. Two colorless. When it enters the battlefield, draw a card. It's an artifact food. Pay one and sack it to add one man of any color or pay two and sack it. You gain three life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's color fixing there. I like that. Tall as a beanstalk. Enchant creature gets plus three, plus three reach and is a giant for three and a green. Okay. Uh, Vantress Paladin, three and a blue for a two-two flying with adamant. If you spend at least three blue mana on this, it enters with a plus one plus one counter. It is a human knight. Okay, okay. I don't, I don't hate it. Our first uncommon rally for the throne, two and a white for an instant. Create two one one white hu- uh, human creature tokens, and then adamant. If you spend at least three white mana, you gain one life for each creature you control. That's pretty good. That's pretty good for a token deck. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Uh, inquisitive puppet is our next uh a zero two artifact creature construct for one generic that says when it enters the battlefield scry one and exile inquisitive puppet create a one one white human creature token mm-hmm. i like this card arch arcan of absolution okay uh for three and a white flying protection from white a three two that has creatures can't attack you unless their controller pays one generic for each of them so you've got a little bit of a ghostly prison yeah, going half, on. Half a ghostly prison. That's not bad. And our, our rarest fabled passage. Um, that one. This this one? Remember when we were talking about uh, mana base fixing? So like fabled passage is... Uh, it's, um, it's a fetch land. Mm-hmm. So it says, sacrifice fabled passage. Search your library for a basic land. Put it onto the battlefield tapped. And then shuffle your library. Then if you control four or more lands, untap it. So you know that color fixing that we're talking about, making sure that you always have your color or just, um, no, yeah, making yeah. sure you have your color. Making There's sure no more than color. that. If no. you're playing more than more than one color, yeah. this is not a bad option to add yeah. in. It's a good one. It's a really good one. And then we got an island and a boar token. Okay. So well, um, island's the best card in, the, in magic, so, so we should consider that one. So I think Fabled Passage is our choice. I, I think so, but we should maybe we should but do choice number two. Then. Choice number two. I I do like Archon of Absolution. That's a good one. Um, personally, I like to play those taxing cards that make it a little more difficult for people to play out their turn and mm-hmm. swing at me. Yeah. So maybe they can play out their turn and swing at someone else because they don't have to pay to swing at them. So that would be my argument for Archon of Absolution. Yep. It's a great pillow fort card. Uh, it is on a creature, so it's probably it's a little bit easier to remove than enchantments like like Ghostly Prison and Propaganda, but. Ghostly prison and propaganda can't swing. So, you know, you have that going for you. Um, I do like rally for the throne, uh, create two one ones, you know, in a token deck. Um, or if you do adamant with it, gaining one life for each one you had, I mean, this might be uh, good in a Reese, um, deck 
where you're making a lot of green white tokens, white tokens, uh, and and gaining life for for all the creatures that you control because it's again a, a go wide tokens. Um, but I really like this golden egg too. There's just so many different decks that all these kind of belong in. Like weapon rack belongs in Pier and Toothy because you get to multiply your plus one plus one counters. This is really hard to pick one. I'm gonna go. With I mean, gold. you did pick one. You picked Fable Passage, but for your second <laughs> That's true. choice, I'm gonna go with Golden Egg. I'm gonna go with Golden Egg. Two mana. When it enters the battlefield, draw a card. It replaces itself. It costs generic mana. Um, you can play it in um, like your uh, what's her face, the captain of the Weatherlight, Jorian Rune. Not or, no, Jorian. not Jorian. Joyra. Joyra. Uh, you can play it in your in your Joyra deck. New Hotness Joyra, not uh, Suspend Joyra, um, and it'll. It'll draw you a card when it enters, and since it's a historic spell, it'll draw you another card. Um, then you can use it later as your food token to either filter your mana or gain you three life. Um, great utility artifact. Uh, maybe one of those cards that you can tune your deck and replace with something a little bit stronger later, but really good option uh, for a deck like that. Artifacts matter deck. I'm going to, yeah, golden egg. So we'll put these cards into the prize pool. Someone can tune their deck. Uh, Boom. For sure. Oh, yeah. There's been some cool cards in the previous packs as well. And I think someone will be really excited to get that Fabled Passage. For sure. For sure. Someone playing Commander wants that. And you uh, can never have too many. I, I want. We I both want, want that. Yeah. We, bo- we both want it's that. It's the one card missing from my, the one fetch land missing from my Gitrog deck right now is Fabled Passage. So. And you didn't open up very much Throne of Eldraine, did you? I only opened up the stuff that we drafted and uh, when I did Two-Headed Giant with our friend Torin. Okay. Yeah, which was a ton of fun. I really like Two-Headed Giant. Except Andy doesn't like to play competitive Two-Headed Giant. (laughs) (laughs) It's really stressful. I don't think I've been that stressed out in a long time when we played at Command Fest. I had so much fun doing that. Anyway. I did not. You want to talk about uh, maybe this week's Commander of the Week? I do. I do. Edric's by Master of Trust. What's he do? Okay, so a 2-2 two, two for one, a green, and a blue. Elf Rogue that says, whenever a creature deals combat damage to one of your opponents, its controller may draw a card. So, important to note, uh, you're doing the best thing in magic, drawing cards, in yeah. my opinion. Um, but also, you're deterring your opponents from swinging at you, and um, you're hopefully getting them to swing at each other because they can draw cards when they hit each other. They can't draw, they can't draw a card when they hit you. Only your opponents. So it's group hug, right? Uh, no, but but yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my plan here was to play 36 lands. Okay. And a bunch of creatures that cost one or two mana for the most part. Sure. Because I can flood the board with a bunch of silly one ones. Queenies. Yes. And Queenies. and um preferably ones that are either unblockable or flying or okay. have weird texts that say things like this creature can't be blocked except by creatures with flying. Um, okay. Yeah. Pseudo flying. Got it. Pseudo flying. Um, to get a lot of damage in, draw a bunch of cards, hopefully draw into um, like a reliquary tower. Okay. So you don't have to discard any of them. Fair. Uh, the second theme of the deck is extra turns. Okay. okay. So if you get out um, four or five one ones that let's say they all have flying, mm-hmm. um, you're generally drawing four cards a turn. 
but, and then you can draw into yeah. an extra turn spell, which you can play, hopefully continue to drop your lands and maybe an additional creature each turn you do it and then swing and hopefully draw like let's say next turn it's you draw seven and you draw into an extra turn or and then maybe still drop one creature and the goal is to chain together as many extra turns as you can and take down everyone with your one ones now we only have a few ways to make them bigger um a good budget option is end race forerunners because you can give all your creatures plus two plus two um i do have a crater hoof behemoth in here so uh if you're not aware mo- a lot of people that play command know what this card is but for five green 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 for a five five uh you get a beast with haste that says when crater hoof behemoth enters the battlefield creatures you control get trample and plus x plus x till end of turn where x is the number of creatures you control so if you have out seven one ones they all get plus eight plus eight because crater hoof counts as one of them yep so if you're i mean that that usually that that'll take out one if not two yeah and then you only have to deal with one person. So you take out the one that you, you take out the two that you think can stop you sure. and you leave in the one person that maybe is in colors that doesn't do board wipes or colors. That's not evasion mm-hmm. or, or, or what have you. So I did just count and I have nine extra turn spells, okay. but there's okay. more, there's more than that. Um, I'm not running temporal trespass or nexus of fate um, only because they're in other decks and I don't own two of them. Okay. Fair. Um, I don't run. I have two extra turn decks. One that's mono blue and it's Maloku, mostly because of the um, mono blue land mystic sanctuary from right. Throne of Eldraine because I wanted to see if I could make it work. Yeah. And I did that one time and then I just, I'm not probably going to play that deck very often. Sure. Um, but this was the original deck that I had with turn spells in it. So we've got um, one that is played probably solely in this deck. Um, Notorious Throng. It is yeah. it is a tribal sorcery from the Lorwyn block, so it's from Morning Tide. It's probably the most the most unique extra turn spell, um, in my opinion, um, because it only gives you an extra turn if you've met or satisfied its requirement. So it has a prowl cost, um, which is from the Lorwyn block, and it says you may play this card for its prowl cost only if you dealt damage to a player with a rogue. Yep. So. Um, Edric is a rogue and there's a lot of fairy rogues in the deck um, mm-hmm. just inherently are flying <laughs> yeah. and cheap and small and unblockable. And so it says three in a blue put X one, one black fairy creature tokens uh, with flying into play where X is number of damage is where X is the damage dealt to your opponents this turn. Mm-hmm. So that's what the card does. But the prowl cost is five in a blue that says if notorious throngs prowl cost was paid, take an extra turn. So you, uh, hopefully hit with six one ones yep. and you play this for its prowl cost and you put six one ones into play and then you take an extra turn next turn you're going to draw 12 yeah that's really really strong it's it's really good and i don't know how many other rogue decks play this i'm, I'm curious i'd have to go to eda trek to see if there how many how many of this is at least marked as being played in yeah um and then it's likely being played in more because people just didn't load their decks online um I got Time War, Beacon of Tomorrows, Karns, Temporal Sundering, Part the Water Veil, Temporal Mastery, Walk the Aeons, Temporal Manipulation, and Capture of the Jinchao. So Ooh, those capture. are those are the <laughs> those are the cards I'm playing. I do have the Judge Foil, um, the Judge Promo yeah. Capture um, that I got at Command Fest. Yeah. Um, otherwise, it's just a bunch of one ones. I I will post the deck list online. Um, I run. I mean, some of the the notables. Um, hope of Giraper. So mm-hmm. for uh, one generic mana, you have a one, one flying that says sack hope of Giraper. 
Um, until your next turn, target player who was dealt damage by Hope of Giraper can't cast non-creature spells. Yeah. So it, you you swing at the one spell slinger deck for one, you sack it, and then it really stops them from playing spells on their. T- so at least at least they can't play the sorceries that are important. They're going to play their instance on someone else's turn. Then right, they just can't do it. Um, I'm sorry, could you re- repeat the the wording again on it? Until oh no, it's until your next turn. Okay, they can't cast. So they're going to do it on your turn. Gotcha. If they have instance. Um, I, I have um, an upgrade. One, one of the, the items that I tuned here was one of the lands uh, was Cavern of Souls. I ended mm-hmm. up adding. So uh, as Cavern of Souls enters the battlefield, choose a creature type. So you choose uh, elf or rogue. I have a lot of elves, a lot of rogues. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it adds one generic or it adds one man of any color to mana pool. And if you spend it on that creature type that you chose, it can't be countered. So that's really important in, in commander. Yep. Um, I run a lot of cards that bring cards back from my graveyard to my hand or put them back on top of my library so that in response to the draw triggers, when I hit with the one, one, I can put an extra turn spell back on top of my library and then draw it back into my hand. So cards like regrowth, Mm -hmm. uh, I think are really important. I do run the other prowl cost, (laughs) uh, rogue spell. I like this one. Knowledge exploitation. Uh, this is, this is more of a, just for fun card. I don't, Mm -hmm. this is not necessary, but it's really fun when it happens. It's very fun. Um, it for for five blue blue you search target opponent's library for instant or sorcery and you can play without paying its mana cost then that player shuffles their library mm-hmm. but you can you can do that for three and a blue if you dealt damage with the rogue so you can do it for a lot cheaper does it have to you have to cast it that turn i i does it say that no it just says you may pay without paying its mana cost i think it has to then, be on that yeah spell it's got to be right then. then yeah so you go find someone else's extra turn card or something else that's just ginormous <laughs> that does that does <laughs> a lot of work for you. Very very true. I mean, it is an instant or sorcery. There's a lot of important instant or sorceries oh, that yeah. I could play. You get removal, or just take a card out of their deck that you don't want to see. Don't take and cast it. Don't take. Don't you don't want to cast torment for X equals zero, Andy? I mean, I do. Then you, <laughs> then you can't cast it for X equals forty. Um, I just added a waterlog grove from okay. from Modern Horizons. Yep, yep. So pay one, pay life, and you can get a blue or a green or pay one generic sack and draw a card. Sometimes you just need to draw one card for sure. Um, the other, the other card that's important is, um, Beastmaster Ascension. Yeah. That's the other to make your creatures big. So whenever you swing with a creature, you put a one, one count or you don't put it, you just put a counter on it. Yep. And as long as it has seven or more counters, uh, your creatures get plus five plus five. Yeah. Make them a huge. So that's really good. And then Druid's repository, whenever a creature you control attacks, put a charge counter on it, and then you can remove a charge counter from Druid's repository to get one mana. So if you're swinging with six creatures, you just made six mana. So that's generally the best way that I, I have been able to pay for the extra turn spells because they are so very expensive. Right. Um, I have maybe two counter spells. I do run heroic intervention. Very this deck strong. is, um, I would say that it, it scoops or folds to board wipe sure. for sure. I run green sun Zenith. Okay. It's a good option. Search library for a green creature with CMC X or less put it on the battlefield. You can grab a creator hook that way, especially if you have a lot of mana on your, uh, Druid's repository. I've seen, so I've seen a lot of people use green sun Zenith where it's like, if you have it, you got to play it because it's going to get shuffled back in anyways. Do you use it that way? Like, do you go find for one CMC, you go find like your Lanawar elves or something like that? I assume you run mana dorks. I do. Yeah. yeah I've got Elvish mystic. I have Man, <clears throat> mana, dork, elves. mana dorks over artifacts in this particular type of deck. Yeah. Boreal druid. That yeah. makes, yeah. Um, I do. 
I do. I would use it. Yeah. You could shuffle back in anyway, like right. you said. Cost it, and then this also runs some value creatures. So for one green, you can pay one in a green, sack it to destroy an artifact or an enchantment. So if there's something affecting you. And then I do play a card that I think you actually suggested this to me, Nostalgic Dreams. So it's green, green. As an additional cast to play this, you discard X cards from your hand, and then you return X cards from your graveyard to your hand. Okay. So you can just switch cards. Yeah. So I can discard two do nothing cards that I don't need and grab back potentially just two extra turn spells or yep. a value creature that I need. Um, and then uh, other than that, it's just a, just a bunch of one ones and I have a Nick throw shrine to Nyx. Well, that's so I get you a lot of mana. mana and that's Edric. That's my version of Edric. There's a lot of other Edric decks that play bigger stuff as well, or they're specifically playing into the, hopefully everybody else swings at each other. Yeah. I am actually trying to win with this deck. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's, it's been tuned a lot. Yep. So that's my deck. Cool. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. You are welcome. Any other notes on tuning decks before we wrap up um, today's episode? I don't think I had anything else on tuning decks. Um, I guess if, if you have anything that, that we didn't cover and you think we should, no, I just, as I was looking through all the cards, so we always look at our decks as we're, as we're doing this, we put together mm-hmm. notes and then we look through it as well. I, I just saw the number of lands, like I have a gemstone caverns in here, which mm-hmm. is a very competitive land. It, it doesn't do a whole lot unless it's in there. I was just, I was just like looking at all the things I was tuning as I, or that I have tuned in right. the stack and things that I had cut. Um, but no, I don't think I, I think we covered most of our I think so. tuning notes. I'm going to take these notes and go back and tune some of my decks. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so as always, we want to thank you for listening. If you want to contact us, you can head to guardianprojectpodcast.com. On Twitter, you can find me at ATFlory. You can find me at MPCoilMTG. You can also find the, the show, which this one is one that we never mentioned, at GuardianPod. Yeah. So I should probably start mentioning that do that one do that one before us go find us because if you're following us you'll be able to find all of the giveaways that we are going to be doing uh, very soon um also take a look for hashtag guardian project pod to find our posts and episodes uh we like to hear from you so send along your comments and any topics you'd like us to talk about and we'll go over those on the next episode yeah thanks everyone we mentioned last week that we were going to start streaming we're going to do that again every wednesday night we're going to be streaming from probably i would say nine ish to probably 11 ish yeah yeah so come hang out with us um tonight we're gonna do some draft of theros beyond death and then probably some brawl Woo! see you guys later peace bye that was a good episode i liked that that was a lot of fun to talk about too I run Green Sun Zenith. Okay.